it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. And a way to start your day. It is Wednesday, the 25th of October, the feast of St. Crispin and Crispinian. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are our stronghold in time of trouble. Grant us the wisdom and the courage to place our trust in you. You are our defender against all evil. Teach us always to call upon you in prayer. You have delivered your people from death by the power of the cross. Strengthen us to bear one another's burdens in love. Lord God of power and might, you have revealed to us in Jesus Christ that true strength lies in self-surrendering love. Make us his true disciples in every trial, and make us a true source of strength to one another, through the same Christ our Lord. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saints Crispin and Crispinian, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. Travis has our video feed up and running, if I can get in the frame properly. Robert Tunmeyer will be along from Heroic Men to talk a little bit about his own conversion story and the resources he has available for men who want to grow deeper in their faith. Father Rob Jack uh, will join us as well. Also, Gary Zimak with more thoughts on the Psalms. And Stephanie Mann, uh, who has been walking through English Catholic history, will mark the anniversary of the canonization of the 40 martyrs of England and Wales. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The top provider of humanitarian aid in the Gaza Strip says it will have to cease operations by the end of the day if it doesn't get more fuel. The UN Relief and Work Agency has said that without additional fuel, it will be unable to distribute any incoming aid that enters Gaza, where about 600,000 people are taking shelter at UN facilities. Israel blocked off supplies to Gaza after it was attacked by Hamas on October 7th and has been pounding the Gaza Strip with airstrikes, displacing more than a million Palestinians. Meanwhile, Catholic Relief Services is calling for Congress to quickly approve the funding request from the administration for humanitarian aid for Gaza. CRS says in a statement they have witnessed the staggering amount of need as supplies dwindle and food and water become scarce. Pope Francis has made another appeal for peace ahead of the release of a new book-length interview with the Holy Father. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Horrors, very serious horrors against God and man. This is what wars are to Pope Francis. He once again reiterated his condemnation of the conflicts taking place in the world the day after his Angelus in St. Peter's Square, during which he had already defined them a defeat. On Twitter, too, he writes, We must not become accustomed to war, to any war. We must not allow our hearts and minds to be anesthetized at the repetition of these extremely serious horrors against God and humankind. This appeal is the upteenth coming from Pope Francis, who has denounced war since the beginning of his pontificate, intensifying his appeal in the months of Russian aggression in Ukraine, and now with the tensions in the Middle East and the resurgence of attacks and violence. 
And in light of the turmoil the world is witnessing, the Pope's words against war are also available now in the book Non Sei Solo, You Are Not Alone. Challenges, answers and hopes. The book interview was written by journalist Francesca Ambrogetti, former head of ANSA in Argentina, and Sergio Rubin of the daily El Clarín. The book had already been published in February in Argentina under the title El Pastor, The Shepherd, and on Wednesday the Italian edition will be in bookshops with Salani publishers. At the beginning of my pontificate, I affirmed that we were living through a third world war in small pieces. Then I claimed that these pieces had gradually grown larger, and now I think it is all one big piece, the Pope said in a passage of the interview reported by Ansam. War is a result of a serious madness, he said. I am Francesca Merlo. The Georgia Supreme Court is upholding the state's heartbeat law. The court released the ruling yesterday morning, which sends challenges back to the lower courts. First passed by the state back in 2019, the new law prohibits the law prohibits abortion at the detection of a fetal heartbeat, which is at about six weeks gestation. Meanwhile, the number of the of abortions in the U.S. is up this year after the Dobbs ruling, but has dropped drastically in states with bans in law. A new report from the Society of Family Planning's We Count project shows that there were 2,200 more abortions in the 12 months from July of 2022 to June of 2023. But the state-by-state numbers are much different. In states with total abortion bans or heartbeat laws, six-week bans, abortions fell by nearly 115,000. In states where it was legal, there was a nearly 117,000 increase. Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson is the new Republican nominee for Speaker of the House. Mark Mayfield has more. The low-ranking member of the GOP leadership team became the party's latest nominee Tuesday night after three rounds of voting behind closed doors. Johnson must now secure 217 of the 221 Republican votes on the House floor to win the Speaker's gavel. The House had announced earlier that they would reconvene on the floor Wednesday afternoon. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the World Series matchup is now set. The Arizona Diamondbacks are advancing to the World Series for the first time since 2001 after defeating the Philadelphia Phillies 4-2 in Game 7 of the National League Championship Series at Citizens Bank Park last night. Arizona will now take on the Texas Rangers, who defeated the Houston Astros in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series on Monday. Game 1 of the World Series starts Friday in Arlington. So we do get our Christian Walker-Texas Ranger matchup. <laughs> we do That's indeed. pretty cool. We do. Indeed. I got uh, some Journey Home guests who came in to tape today, uh, but they got in last night, and one of them was flying from Arizona and came in with a Diamondbacks, you know, outfit on. Oh, I'm nice! Like, oh, I don't want to keep you. I mean, we'll we'll eat, you know, and and get you situated, but you gotta you got you got important you got things to watch. to watch. Yeah, very important things to watch. Nice, and it happened. So there you have it. There Congratulations to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Absolutely. We got to figure out some gentlemen's wagers that involve Arizona and Texas or something. Something. We got to figure something out as this thing moves forward. For sure. Well, we are glad that you are here figuring your morning out today on a Wednesday. It is the 25th of October. Right now, it is seven minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Robert Tunmeyer from HeroicMen.com. If you've never checked out their platform, loaded with free videos 
and resources to help men grow in the Catholic faith, definitely check it out. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Robert was just a guest on the journey home as well. Robert, good to talk to you again. Uh, good morning, Matt. Good talking with you. You know, you were just on the journey home, uh, and I hope a bunch of people got to watch that. If not, uh, that episode is going to be linked at chnetwork.org and probably through Heroic Men as well. Uh, and you go through a lot of the um, the stages of being completely just heathen and secular before you had an initial conversion to Christ. I thought you'd appreciate this. I was looking at a comment on your YouTube video. I don't know how well you identify with this, but I got a kick out of it. Someone commented, they said, Robert's conversion took so long because the Holy Spirit was rummaging around for a bigger hammer to hit him in the head with. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. Uh, we, we fired the link out to our database, actually, and it was watched by thousands of people. Yes. Well, and it's a it's a great story. I want to actually fast forward to an interesting part of that story because uh, there's all kinds of things in the background of what led you to become a Christian and get involved in the evangelical world uh, as well. But something happened because you were split in time between evangelical churches and Catholic Mass, and you'd married a Catholic, but were still kind of in your own evangelical world. That actually there are a lot of people listening right now who have been in that situation, Robert, <laughs> who are, you know, maybe going to Mass, maybe listening to Catholic Radio, maybe humoring their spouse by still going on Sunday mornings with them to Catholic services, raising their kids Catholics, sending them to Catholic schools. What was it that happened that sparked that thing that said to you, why am I not Catholic? Um, well, you know, I, I, I went to RCIA um, uh, not to become Catholic, a, 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 a brother suggested I go to RCIA, and I went with the intention of simply learning. No, no real desire to be Catholic. Didn't have anything against being Catholic. So I went to RCIA, and midway through the class, they they played this video by uh, Dr. Scott Hahn called "The Lamb Supper." And, Matt, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks that the Catholic Church is the fullness of truth. I mean, it was, you know, I, I can remember being in class that Thursday evening, uh, and it's just like, oh, oh, I should be Catholic. So it was just, that's what did it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that some people would say, well, the Eucharist is such a powerful reality. How come it didn't make sense to you before? Being in the real presence of Christ you know, at Mass every Sunday. I think it's impossible sometimes for a Catholic to understand how someone wouldn't get that. But but I know people, and you know people all the time, uh, men who've been going to Mass for years and just haven't had that aha moment. Um, what do you think are some of the things that, that prepared you to receive that when you heard it that way? You know, Matt, <laughs> I, I just say it was the Holy Spirit. God's got a plan for all of us. And I've come to realize it's normally not my plan. It, you know, it just, he moves. And I, and I think that the thing that if we just, we'll just seek him more and trust him more, the things he'll do through us for his glory is incredible. Um, you know, I, you know the, I tell my Protestant brothers and people that don't practice the faith anymore. If you really, truly believe that Christ was present in, in the Eucharist, there is no way you could ever leave 
the Catholic Church. Can't do it if, in fact, you know the truth. Indeed. Well, and it it brings perspective to any conflict you might see, any news story you might see, any disappointing interaction you might have with a priest or a bishop or a fellow Catholic. It puts the perspective all back on who brought us here in the first place. But I want to put some some challenges out there because, you know, with Heroic Men— uh, and your website, you're all about challenging men to to take that next step with Christ, to be more virtuous, to be more a person of service, uh, to be more faithful to Christ. Uh, there's probably a guy out there listening right now who has maybe a desire to do that, but doesn't know how to do that. Or maybe they've been kind of involved peripherally with the church on some level. Uh, what would you say to, to encourage them to take that next step uh, in faith to really be a plugged-in, virtuous, faithful man in their parish community and in their families. Here's what I would throw out to any man. If you're going to Mass sometimes on Sundays, or often, you know, on Sundays, and you're just not really engaged, go to Mass just one more time a week, during the week. Go to a weekday Mass just once a week. It'll take 30 minutes, typically 35 minutes, because when a man goes to Mass more than once a week, the Holy Spirit is going to do mighty things. And I I try to get men to think about this. Us men, we're about results, right? And if you go to Mass just one more day a week, that is a 100% improvement. (laughs) That's good math right there. I mean, you know, and you, so you, you can you can literally have a hundred percent increase in your your spiritual growth simply going to mass more than one day a week. Well, and as you and, think that through, too, Robert, it's causing you to make a conscious decision to do one good thing that you're not required to do because it's a good thing, right? And that's a yeah, that's a big step in virtue. Being a convert, you know, this concept. You know, that you're, we have an obligation to go to Mass on Sunday. You have the opportunity to go to Mass on Sunday. It's not an obligation. You know, it's, it, it's an opportunity that you have. So, I've got an obligation yeah. to eat at some point this week, right? But I don't think of that as an obligation. I think about it as an opportunity, right? It's a yeah. lot about our perspectives, and it's a lot about... You know, what is it that we're there to do? Are we there to check a box? Are we there to please our spouse? Um, are we there out of guilt? Uh, and God wants more for us than that. And I know this is something that you do all the time, uh, talk about all the time in your men's groups and men's conferences and the Heroic Men website, which we've got linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Tons and tons of free stuff from voices you know uh, very well from Catholic Radio and uh, EWTN and the like. And, of course, I'll have Robert Tunmeyer's Journey Home episode linked at sunrisemorningshow.com as well. Robert, thank you. Have an awesome day. Good talking to you again, Matt. God bless. All right, we're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past the hour. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and 
put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. At this pivotal moment in the life of the church, bishops, religious, and laity from around the world have gathered in Rome for the Synod on Synodality. Get in-depth analysis of the day's events and what it means to you in our EWTN News special presentation from the Vatican. EWTN News presents The Synod on Synodality, tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern, only on EWTN Radio. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Catholic Relief Services is calling for Congress to quickly approve a funding request for humanitarian aid for Gaza. Pope Francis is making another appeal for peace in the Holy Land and around the world ahead of the release of a new book-length interview with the Holy Father. And post-Dobbs, a new count shows the number of abortions in the U.S. is up this year but has dropped drastically in states with abortion bans. Well, that's not uh, rocket science. You know, obviously people from those states where the rates are dropping are going to the places where the restrictions are lower. Uh, All the more reason for us to try and figure out the whole comprehensive approach uh, from the grassroots up to the political level of how do we help people be empowered to make a better decision and how do we keep it from making keep it from being just this easy thing that people can do and then they have to live with the horrors of it yep. uh for the rest of their lives yep. but, um of course ohio is a big place for that yeah well ohio probably i haven't seen the numbers for ohio specifically but ohio is surrounded by uh states with abortion bans ohio currently has I think a 22-week limit. Ohio is about to vote on an amendment that would basically eliminate any kind of limit. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, when you're in a border state like that, and it feels to me, Matt, um, like the country has not been divided like this since the time of slavery, where it depends for an unborn child – whether the 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 you're level, a human in certain places, the in certain level, places you're not. Yeah, yep. the level of uh, dignity that you are afforded, um, the the level of the right to life that you are afforded depends on the state in which your mother is living at the time that you are an unborn child, and that is not right. So it's interesting. It's I I can't spoil his whole story, but we taped a Journey Home episode. Yesterday, it'll be coming out in, I want to say, February, uh, of a guy who was uh, a cradle Catholic, 
uh, wasn't super involved with his faith. And uh, then a priest just asked him as he was graduating high school, hey, you ever thought about the priesthood? And he's like, no, man, of course I haven't thought about that. <laughs> well, at any rate, he had a dream that that night. And then the next morning was like, I actually I might have to I might have to at least check this out. But he, he was afraid to tell us. Yes, but he was afraid to tell his mom that he was thinking about entering seminary. And when he told his mom, his mom was like, you know, I always knew you'd be doing something for God. Wow. And later he was like, well, what do you mean by that? She's like, well, when I became pregnant with you, I wasn't sure if we could do this. And I considered abortion, but I just told God, like, if you help me, my son is all yours. Give She's like, choice. so I'm not surprised. <laughs> like, you never know what future you're cutting short. Uh, yeah. And you never know what future uh, you are establishing just by giving someone a chance to live. Wow. That's all I'm saying. And the link between mother and child. Wow. It's all there. It's all wow. there. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. The Apostle Paul had many associates, Titus, perhaps also Priscilla and Aquila, but how many of us could find familiar the associate named Epaphras? This unique name is probably a contraction of a longer and more common name, at least in Paul's time, Epaphroditus, meaning literally, favored by the goddess Aphrodite. By the time we meet Epaphras, he has clearly regarded himself as now favored, or better, graced, by the Lord Jesus Christ. From Paul's remarks in his letter to the Colossians, it was the preaching of this associate Epaphras that got the church started in Colossae. Later, in that same letter to the Colossians, Paul says of Epaphras that he is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus. He is always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf. Now, wouldn't it be grand if someone could say the same thing about us someday, that we were constantly praying on their behalf so that they might mature and be assured in everything that God wills. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thanks for being along on this Wednesday, October the 25th. It is St. Crispin's Day. So uh, happy feast to all the Crispins and Crispinians out there and all of you lovers of... Uh, Shakespearean speeches. Father Rob Jack now joining us. He's host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, which you hear uh, if you listen to Sacred Heart Radio, you hear on the drive home, quite obviously. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So let's talk about the illuminative way of of prayer. Uh, this is something that uh, is part of like a three-step process uh, that some of our listeners are familiar with, but the illuminative way, what do we mean by that? What comes before it? And 
you know, how does it pro- progress you in the spiritual life? Well, one of the great paths of it, of course, we have really three steps in our prayer, which is what we call the purgative way, in which we look at the, the obstacles that are in our life, that oftentimes either our sins or our inability to really focus on God, they put up roadblocks. And if we really want to draw closer to God, he, God has no roadblocks to us, but we got a whole lot of them to Him. And what we do in the purgative way is we see what those are. Now, in the process of doing that, we also, though, must begin this part of what we call mental prayer. You know, vocal prayer is very easy. That's just talking to God. And everyone does that every day, I hope. But beyond that, there's another type of prayer, which is meditative prayer, or what we call mental prayer. There's a lot of names for it, but they all mean about the same thing. And what they focus on, again, is listening to God and speaking to God, which is, of course, something that's a very unique uh, Christian, really Judeo-Christian practice. So, with this question of meditation and, you know, mental prayer and all these things, I think because, you know, if I go to the grocery store and I'm going down the, uh, the checkout line and I see, like, three magazines about, like, fall recipes and about two magazines about mindfulness right like (laughs) obviously the christian take on these things is a little bit different than what i'm seeing on the magazine rack oh oh it is very much so oftentimes the 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 goal in meditative prayer uh, and the contemporary view is is really kind of a form of navel gazing of thinking about us but meditation and it isolates pretty much with us whereas in meditation we see we're looking for god and so as far as that looking for God, we go through, uh, first of all, we need time. This is something that we, this is something that is focused work, meditation. And the, it could be focused on something going on in our life, some event that happened, what is God trying to tell me through this? But many of the times it happens through, of course, taking a passage from sacred scripture. And especially, I always like to use the Gospels, because here Jesus is actually speaking. So if he says, for instance, uh, I demand that you take up your cross daily and follow me. Okay, what does that mean? So we take that scripture passage, and then after that's the first part. We take it, we concentrate on that passage, and then we go to the second part, which is we consider. Okay, what what are my crosses here, and what does it mean to say this is a cross? Is it a challenge? Is it a burden? What is that? And we spend time with that in prayer, and then we move from thinking about this. Okay, God. This is what's going on. What what cross are you talking about? Are you talking about the fact that I use bad language and I shouldn't be using that, and I need to focus on something else? And we talk, we we sort through that in our head, and then we go. The final part of of meditative prayer really is gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for taking time to talk to with me today, and and uh, for me to listen to you, and then make a decision. See, meditative prayer always has a goal at the end, and the goal is, of course, how can we be closer to God? You know, in vocal prayer, as I'm driving through as I'm driving through downtown, and God gives me a green light instead of red, I say, thank you, Lord, for this green light. Okay, that's not meditation. That's just gratitude. <laughs> I'll make it on time. But, but meditative prayer is really a personal conversation with God, in which God speaks, I listen, in which uh, I listen, and God speaks. So what's interesting, Father, is that in my evangelical background, we were 
100% against meditation. We, we thought that's like what the Buddhists and the New Agers do. But it turns out that the way that you're describing it is exactly how I was taught to pray in my evangelical Christian background, right? This is exactly how we were supposed to approach prayer. But at the same time, I mean, it can be a challenge for some Catholics who are just like, oh, it's time to pray. All right, well, let's recite, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z thing. Now, there is a, a place for memorized and written prayers, but there ought to be a place also for these sort of just opening up your heart to God and having that conversation. We're meant to kind of have access to both to grow our prayer lives, aren't we? Oh, it is. It really. You see, this is when we talk about prayer, of course, we, we use the different titles. One of them is vocal prayer, meditative prayer, and contemplative prayer. And what we see, the goal for us is to learn to be still to God. And so vocal prayer is the starting off of the conversation, talking to the Lord and stuff, and we move from that then to just not using just from talking to actually now, okay, Lord, what what are you trying to say to me? And so in that, you, you take about 15 minutes, and you get yourself as calmed down as you could. Then you start working things through. I prefer to do it in front of the boss, you know, the Blessed Sacrament, and say, okay, Lord, we you have my undivided attention. Uh, you know, I know I have yours. That's never the problem. The question is, do he, does he have mine? And then to spend that time every day listening and talking and having a good talk about it. I said, Lord, this is really annoying. You started me on this. Why is this not working so well? And am I going on it the right way? And then I used, I said, a scripture passage. And then from there, we move forward. But the goal of meditative prayer is always to make another step along the way. We need a goal. We need a, well, an intention at the end of that prayer. I've learned something today. And I'm going to put that into practice in my behavior with others and with God and with myself. Yeah, it's uh, practical stuff, and it seems so easy when you put it this way, but it actually takes work, right? It takes. Well, it work. does. It and, does. Prayer, and... prayer is work. Prayer, I know, because one of the problems with meditation, they say, get comfortable. If I get comfortable, I go to sleep, and sleep is not prayer <laughs> as much as we want to think. <laughs> yeah, our goal this morning is to not put people back to sleep; it's to wake them up this morning. So, thank That's you so exactly. much, Father Rob Jack. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. The U.S. is warning Iran against escalating the war between Israel and Hamas. While addressing the U.N. Security Council, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the U.S. will respond decisively if Iran or its proxies carry out attacks on U.S. personnel in the Middle East. He called on leaders to tell Iran in public and private not to open another front in the Israel conflict. Blinken also announced 33 Americans were killed in Hamas's attack on Israel earlier this month. Catholic Relief Services is calling for Congress to quickly approve the funding request from the administration for humanitarian aid for Gaza. CRS stand, says in a statement, quote, we stand at a critical juncture with the lives of millions of our brothers and sisters at stake, a reality that beckons us to act swiftly and decisively to prevent untold suffering. They say with ongoing emergency response efforts in both Gaza and Ukraine, we at CRS have witnessed the staggering amount of need as supplies dwindle and food and water become scarce. Under these dire circumstances, they say, we urge Congress to fund the administration's request for humanitarian assistance, which demonstrates American solidarity and as a lifeline to those caught up in these brutal conflicts, end quote. Meanwhile, the U.N. Relief and Work Agency has said they are about to run out of fuel in Gaza and without it, they will be unable to distribute any incoming aid 
that enters Gaza. The Cardinal Patriarch of Jerusalem is asking the faithful to remember to fast and pray on Friday for peace. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The observance comes 10 days after churches across the world united in prayer on October the 17th. In a letter addressed to the diocese, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem highlights the importance of prayer and penance at a time when everything seems to speak of death and endless hatred. The message once again condemns in unequivocal terms Hamas' attack on Israel. My conscience and moral duty require me to state clearly that what happened on October the 7th in southern Israel is in no way permissible and we cannot but condemn it, the Patriarch said. At the same time, with equal clarity, the head of the Latin Church in Jerusalem condemns the indiscriminate violence against civilians in the Gaza Strip. Cardinal Pizzaballa continues the letter by remarking that it is only by ending decades of occupation and its tragic consequences as well as giving a clear and secure national perspective to the Palestinian people that a serious peace process can begin. Unless this problem is solved at its roots, he stresses, there will never be the stability we all hope for. The Patriarch of Jerusalem therefore urges a more serious commitment in this regard from religious and political leaders, civil society and the international community. This, he says, is the only way to avoid other tragedies like the one we are experiencing now. I am Lisa Zingarini. The number of abortions in the U.S. is up in this year following the Dobbs ruling, but has dropped drastically in states with abortion bans. Brian Shook reports. A new report from the Society of Family Planning's We Count project shows that there were 2,200 more abortions in the 12 months from July 2022 to June 2023. But the state-by-state numbers are much different. In states with total abortion bans or six-week bans, abortions plummeted by nearly 115,000. In states where it stayed legal, there was a nearly 117,000 increase. I'm Brian Shook. The Georgia Supreme Court is upholding the state's heartbeat law. The court released the ruling yesterday morning that sends challenges back to the lower courts. The heartbeat law was first passed by the state in 2019 and prohibits abortion at the detection of a fetal heartbeat. And Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson is the new Republican nominee for Speaker of the House. The low-ranking member of the House GOP leadership team, became the party's latest nominee last night after three rounds of voting behind closed doors. Johnson must now secure 217 of the 221 Republican votes on the House floor in order to win the Speaker's gavel. That's the news. It's 35 past. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. 
click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is the Mass? The Mass is the unbloody sacrifice of the body and blood of Christ. There was a bloody sacrifice of Christ. His blood was shed and poured out for all of us. But at the holy sacrifice of the Mass, it is the precise same sacrifice that Christ gave on the cross. However, it is not in a bloody manner. In the Mass, Christ is not crucified again. In the Mass, it is not a new sacrifice. It is rather the same sacrifice perpetuated through time. It is, as it were, brought to us and made present, because it is Christ himself present who was sacrificed. Let us then see that the Mass truly is the unbloody sacrifice of Christ on the cross, now given up for us. Seeing Christ's sacrifice and uniting ourselves to that sacrifice in our hearts, we are better able to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We few, we happy few, Matt, celebrate St. Crispin's Day. Well, you're not my brother. We band of brothers. We. Okay. Well, Well, it is what it is. It is what it is. And it is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right, so I know it's early. It's not even Advent, but you're finishing up your schedule for Give Up Worry for Lent. If our listeners want to know about how to book you for that, how do they do so? Yeah, Matt, the easiest thing to do is to send me an email at gary at followingthetruth.com or head right on over to followingthetruth.com and contact me there. Matt, I have one opening remaining for a Give Up Worry for Lent Parish Mission. One opening remaining for 2024. So if somebody's interested, shoot me an email at gary at followingthetruth.com. Sounds great. Well, today, Gary, we are talking about uh, Psalm 131. We've been going through the Psalms, and there's just so much in them. It's right right smack dab in the middle of the Bible with loads and loads of just unpacking the human experience and relationships with God. But Psalm 131 is, is very interesting. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a humble person talking about himself. But what does Psalm 131 say? Matt, and, and this is great because these segments that we do, they're designed to help us to find peace. That's why I do them, to help anyone listening, striving for peace, to find peace uh, literally by following the Lord. This is a three-verse psalm. And in this psalm, we're told three things we shouldn't do and three things we should do in order to find the peace that the Lord wants to give us. It's simple, and that's why I like it. I'm just going to read it, Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things 
too great, and too marvelous for me. There's three things we shouldn't do. We shouldn't basically try to figure out everything that God is doing and why he's doing it, because he's God. We're never going to get there, and it's only going to be a source of frustration to try to figure him out. That's the first piece of advice. Now, three things we should do. But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a child quieted at its mother's breast. Like a child that is quieted is my soul. So this idea of trusting in the Lord like a child, we hear a lot about this, especially in the Gospels. Trusting in the Lord like a child. Trust that He knows what's best for us, know that He loves us. That decision to quietly trust in the Lord. And finally, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So in other words, to place our hope in the Lord and trust that He knows what He's doing, not just today, but forevermore. You know, Matt, this is so simple. Of course, I forget to do this every day, but this is the simple solution to finding peace in our lives. You know, there are so many different phrases that, uh, you know, we could key in on this, but, you know, one that jumps out to me, there is, uh, you know, kind of a a sense of of FOMO out there. You know, you feel like you have to know everything about what's happening in the world and the church. Uh, and in every single relationship drama in your life, you feel like you have to have some sort of a public statement about all these things. Right, uh, suddenly, right, right. everybody's got to be an expert on the pandemic and politics yeah. and Israel-Gaza and like the Senate on synodality, and it's just too much for any one human being to be able to keep track of all that. So when it says here, you know, Lord, I do not occupy, occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, like, in a sense, like that's that's the thing that just I latch onto. Like, Lord, I'm not going to try and pretend to be an expert on stuff that I'm not an expert in. That's right. your territory, <laughs> right? Right, right. I'm going to just trust in you and rest in you. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a really great point because some things are beyond our understanding, uh, whether we're talking about human things or divine things. Some things are beyond us, and it takes a lot of pressure off of us when we recognize that and we say, okay, I'm not an expert. You know, Matt, lately I've been, I've been easing up on social media. I, it, for a while I just was feeling... You and me pressure. both, brother. Right? It is right, liberating. Right. It is. It is. It took me years to realize this. Like, oh my gosh, I don't have to comment on everything. And it, it really feels good. So I'm really glad you said that. And I think by doing that simple, that one simple act of recognizing that, well... The world doesn't need to hear my comment on Facebook about everything that's happening. Just by doing that, we bring ourselves a lot of peace. So, yeah, that's a, that's a very important thing to recognize. Well, it used to be that people would be like, oh, X thing happened. We need a public statement from this expert lobbying group that has you know, deep expertise in this field. Now it's like this thing happened. Now every single person in your network has to say how they think and feel about it. And, and that is, that's occupying ourselves with things too great for us. Uh, and it is an enormous temptation. And what it does is it puts, uh, the onus back on us to have to figure everything out on our own and takes our trust away from God and puts it all back in our own, like intellectual juices. Right. Right. And, and, you know, look, it's taken me a number of years to begin to figure this out. I say begin because I'm going to be still working on this, I'm sure, for the rest of my life. But I'm recognizing that the Lord places me in situations that I can't understand. 
or where I do feel uncomfortable. He does that so that I'll turn to him and choose to trust in him. And, and that's the way he wants it. He wants to be, me to be like a trusting child. He doesn't want me to question everything. And, and there's a real sense of peace in that. But the key is I've got to know him well enough to understand how much he loves me, or at least get a rough idea of the fact that he does love me and that he is all-powerful and that he wants what's best for me. So until I, until I come to that conclusion, it's going to be difficult for me to choose to trust him. But the more I get to know him, the more easy it becomes for me to say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but you know what you're doing, and that's good enough. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, and sometimes that, and this comes back to this whole idea of not op- occupying yourself with things too great and too marvelous for you. I mean, we started off this month of October with St. Therese and her little way. Like sometimes the most yeah. heroic thing you can do today is something really small and possibly invisible, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's yeah. something that's like a, a step in virtue that maybe nobody sees but you and God. Like maybe that's the thing that you're supposed to occupy yourself with today. And And actually our days are full of those kind of things every day. And, and I'm really, I believe the Lord's really trying to teach that to me. And it's difficult because, you know, I've been in, in full-time ministry for 11 years now, and I'm used to, to getting out there and spreading the good news. I'm used to writing books, and I'm, I'm going to still keep doing that. I'm still going to keep speaking. But there's a lot of work for me to do um, that nobody's ever going to see. And, I, and I'm realizing that. It's me working with the Lord and working with those around me, specifically my family. I've got a lot of work to do that nobody's ever going to know about, except maybe those close to me. And that's good enough, because that's what I believe the Lord's calling me to do. Well, that's what the Lord's calling every single believer to do, right? And, uh, you know, some of us go out and write and talk about it, but most of us are in our worlds with our families uh, doing uh, doing the hard, regular work of just figuring out how to be a Christian in everyday situations. That's the task, man. That's the task in front of all of us. So, Gary, one more time, if our listeners want to connect with you uh, at Following the Truth, maybe even check out how to bring you to their parish for uh, Give Up Worry for Lent series. How do they do so? Matt, the easiest thing is to go right to my website, followingthetruth.com, and contact me through the website. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Gary. Have a great day. All right, buddy. God bless you. All right, we're back right after this. It's 14 Till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. 
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Conversations with Consequences, where we delve deeper into issues affecting our church, our country, and our core, the family. As Catholics, we need to be informed, aware, and able to talk through some of the tough topics that we're facing in our culture and in our world. Conversations with Consequences gives us the tools to do so. It's not enough to pray. We have to be a light for the world. Conversations with Consequences, this Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It is Wednesday, October the 25th. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Catholic Relief Services is calling for Congress to quickly approve the funding request for more humanitarian aid for Gaza. The Cardinal Patriarch of Jerusalem is asking the faithful to remember to fast and pray on Friday for peace. And Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson is the new Republican nominee for Speaker of the House. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Stephanie Mann. You can find her online at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. She's been running a blog over there on English Catholic history for uh, a number of years. And uh, we've been tapping her wisdom for a number of years as well. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for the, thanks for the conversation. This will be great. It will be. And we're coming up on the anniversary of the canonization of the yes. 40 martyrs of England and Wales. So tell us about uh, when they finally got canonized. Well, actually, they run the numbers. Um, they were canonized 435 years after the first martyrs died and in this group and 291 years after the last martyrs. So from 1535 to 1679, <clears throat> these uh, martyrs run the gamut of the English Reformation and recusant era in, uh, during the reigns, particularly of from Henry VIII to Charles II, so a, a long period of English history. And it's interesting to see why it took so long for them to be canonized. I mean, I'm, I'm in the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas, and we are praying for the canonization for the cause of our uh, great military chaplain, Chaplain Emil Capon, and we're all wanting it now. <laughs> and so you can imagine that there were devotees and those who had great, great devotion to these English martyrs who were going 435 years. This has been a long time that we've been praying and, and honoring these men and women and thinking of them as great heroes of the faith. But for one thing, it, England didn't have a hierarchy. There was no bishops to propose a cause. And then even when this canonization took place in 1970, there were kind of, interesting ecumenical issues the uh, church of england and uh, the catholic church had entered into some ecumenical discussions pope paul the sixth and uh, michael ramsey the archbishop of canterbury had met quite often so 
in a way, it's, it's interesting to think of these kind of these two aspects of it. One, they were great heroes and and great martyrs, and two, their canonization took place at a kind of a delicate time in the ecumenical relations between the Church of England and the Catholic Church, because at that time there was a great hope of some kind of unification. Of course, we know that's really kind of fallen apart now because of certain actions of the church of England ordaining women as priests and bishops and, and other actions that they've taken that would kind of preclude those, some of those discussions from going forward. Yeah. And at the same time, there's been interesting uh, development, you know, with the ordinariate and uh, all the people who have come into yes. the church and kept the Anglican patrimony there. But I'm thinking about the fact yes. that this whole series of late, we've been focusing on father Bowden's book, on mementos yes. of the English confessors and martyrs. And when he wrote this, if I'm not mistaken, none of these people would have been canonized, or at least a bunch of them would not have been canonized, right? Many of, the, many of them were still, in fact, of, of the 40 that, that were canonized in, in 1970, uh, 20 of those that he discusses in his, in his book or, or presents in his books were still at the venerable stage. They hadn't even been beatified. And so that's kind of remarkable. So when, if, in fact, there are six of the 40 martyrs that he doesn't even mention. So because he had a different purpose, you know, he wasn't writing a history of the English martyrdom. He was providing spiritual and more moral guidance to Catholics in the early 20th century who were still under some disabilities uh, under English law. And so he's reminding them of what these men and women, including, as we've, we've noted, when we've, talked about some of the his uh, models some of them were not martyrs they were confessors they're not saints either but they were uh, men and women who stood up for the faith and remained true to it even though they didn't uh, suffer martyrdom but yes it's, it's interesting to note that he is writing really before before this great cause had begun for the these canonizations many years before because he's writing in in 1910 and they aren't canonized six, until 60 years later so it is kind of an interesting uh matching of, of present and past in in different kind of different levels so that's that's fascinating to me when i think about time and history but yeah, it's uh, fascinating yeah, to me so as true. well you know, yeah. what's also really neat, and I love this in your blog post, I hope people go over to your website from time to time. I hope so, too. Survival, because you have such cool nuggets, and you have actually excerpts from the homily that Pope yes. Paul VI gave when he, uh, you know, did this canonization. I wonder if any of the little excerpts of that jumped out to you. Well, one was that, that I do highlight is that he did mention this fact that there was a relationship and there were efforts for reunification with the Anglican church. And he said that he, these martyrs were in a way part of the prayers that were going forward for this reunification uh, in some ways that, that we could come together, the church of England and the Catholic church. But, but then what I thought were amazing and, and that I found from another source because it wasn't translated on the Vatican website was the praise he offered the martyrs. He said that they were worthy to stand alongside the greatest martyrs of the past and because of their fearless faith and marvelous constancy, but also because of their humility, simplicity, and serenity, and above all the spiritual joy and that wondrously radiant love with which they accepted their condemnation and death. And when I think of that, I think of, uh, when I read that, I think of many of the martyrs that we've talked about who may, made jests as they went along 
to their uh, martyrdom or uh, argued at the last minute with the, the Protestant minister and, uh, uh, you know, said, don't bother me anymore. I, I'm, I'm conf I've confessed my sin, I'm forgiven, and I'm ready to meet my God. So, you know, that just that kind of spirit that they had. And then he did point out that the reason that they, they suffered was because they realized that they saw conflict and they dealt with it. They made a choice. They could either conform to their uh, what their country told them to believe about God and his church, or they could conform to what their conscience and what the Catholic Church taught them about what they should believe about God and his church. And they chose, the, as he says, their fidelity to God and the dictates of their conscience illumined by the Catholic faith. And then he does also mention their truly supernatural strength with which they stood for God and how they joyfully confronted martyrdom. So those were beautiful words that he used for these, these Catholic martyrs. And I think that's true. When you think especially about how we look back on the history of martyrdom, that they are worthy to stand alongside the greatest martyrs of the past. And in some ways, they're models for the greatest martyrs of our era. Because as many have pointed out, I think Robert Royal even wrote the book, said there's been more, there were more martyrs in the 20th century to the Catholic faith because of those conflicts between church and state. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie Mann. We've got our linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. By the way, while you're there, uh, subscribe by entering your email. You'll get the show notes delivered to your inbox every day. That'll mean links to the guests. You'll be able to tell when they're on. You'll also be able to watch a video live stream because uh, we embed it every day there in the show notes. So check it out, sunrisemorningshow.com. Enter your email and uh, say hello while you're at it. Another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for many of you. It's three minutes till. It is Wednesday, the 25th of October. Let's begin uh, today with a prayer to Our Lady Health of the Sick. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Lady Health of the Sick, I look to you for the comfort of a mother's love. I pray to you on behalf of those who are suffering and for my own healing needs. Mary, your love strengthens me and brings me peace. Our Lady Health of the Sick, embrace all who are emotionally and physically ill that they may return to good health under your tender care. And please intercede for my own special needs. Mary, your love strengthens me and brings me peace. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady Health of the Sick, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are with us here on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Uh, Travis is running video, so you can see that and see us in our natural habitats, as it were, in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Philip Michael Tangora will be with us to talk about the Mass as dialogue. Well, it's a whole lot more than a dialogue, and it's not... We'll explain what we mean by that, because there's been some confusing things going around about that very question. Carlo Broussard will talk about true tolerance uh, with Anna Mitchell. Father Augustin Weta 
We'll discuss how to pick our battles better uh, using wisdom from the Desert Fathers. And then later this hour, Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast will talk about finding a better uh, group of people to help support you as you try and pursue better mental health habits. So stay with us if you can. News is a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The top provider of humanitarian aid in the Gaza Strip says it will have to cease operations by the end of the day if it doesn't get more fuel. The UN Relief and Work Agency has said that without additional fuel, it will be unable to distribute any incoming aid that enters Gaza, where about 600,000 people are taking shelter at UN facilities. Israel blocked off supplies to Gaza after it was attacked by Hamas on October 7th and has been hitting the Gaza Strip with airstrikes since, displacing more than a million Palestinians. Catholic Relief Services is calling for Congress to quickly approve the funding request from the administration for humanitarian aid for Gaza. CRS says in a statement they have witnessed the staggering amount of need as supplies dwindle and food and water become scarce. Pope Francis is making another appeal for peace ahead of the release of a new book-length interview with the Holy Father. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Horrors, very serious horrors against God and man. This is what wars are to Pope Francis. He once again reiterated his condemnation of the conflicts taking place in the world the day after his Angelus in St. Peter's Square, during which he had already defined them a defeat. On Twitter, too, he writes, We must not become accustomed to war, to any war. We must not allow our hearts and minds to be anesthetized at the repetition of these extremely serious horrors against God and humankind. This appeal is the upteenth coming from Pope Francis, who has denounced war since the beginning of his pontificate, intensifying his appeal in the months of Russian aggression in Ukraine, and now with the tensions in the Middle East and the resurgence of attacks and violence. And in light of the turmoil the world is witnessing, the Pope's words against war are also available now in the book Non Se Solo, You Are Not Alone, Challenges, Answers and Hopes. The book interview was written by journalist Francesca Ambrogetti, former head of ANSA in Argentina, and Sergio Rubin of the daily El Clarín. The book had already been published in February in Argentina under the title El Pastor, The Shepherd, and on Wednesday the Italian edition will be in bookshops with Salani publishers. At the beginning of my pontificate I affirmed that we were living through a third world war in small pieces. Then I claimed that these pieces had gradually grown larger, and now I think it is all one big piece, the Pope said in a passage of the interview reported by Ansam. War is a result of a serious madness, he said. I am Francesca Merlo. The Georgia Supreme Court is upholding the state's new heartbeat law, latest heartbeat law. The court released the ruling yesterday morning, which sends challenges back to the lower courts. This law was first passed back in 2019 and prohibits abortion at the detection of a fetal heartbeat at about six weeks gestation. The number of abortions in the U.S. is up the year after the Dobbs ruling, but has dropped drastically in states with abortion bans. A new study from the Society of Family Planning's We Count project shows that there were 2,200 more abortions in the 12 months from July of 2022 to June of 23. But the state-by-state numbers are much different. In states with total abortion bans or six-week bans, abortions plummeted by nearly 115,000. 
In states where it stayed legal, there was a nearly 117,000 increase. Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson is the new Republican nominee for Speaker of the House. Mark Mayfield has more. The low-ranking member of the GOP leadership team became the party's latest nominee Tuesday night after three rounds of voting behind closed doors. Johnson must now secure 217 of the 221 Republican votes on the House floor to win the Speaker's gavel. The House had announced earlier that they would reconvene on the floor Wednesday afternoon. I'm Mark Mayfield. The World Series matchup is now set. The Arizona Diamondbacks are advancing to the World Series for the first time since 2001 after defeating the Phillies 4-2 in Game 7 of the National League Championship Series yesterday. Arizona will now take on the Texas Rangers. Game 1 will be Friday in Arlington. And the Vatican's Secretariat for the Economy is launching a new website for lay people who want to work for the Holy See. Vatican News reports that the process for hiring will be simplified with people able to apply directly for vacant or soon-to-be-vacant positions. The website, Matt, do not go applying for anything, but it is www.spe.va. So I'm not going to go applying to that. Good. Anna Mitchell. I don't want you to. For a number of reasons. As a... uh, as a hermit friend of mine likes to say, uh, don't go into the kitchen even in the finest of restaurants. Uh, second of all, like That's good. I feel That's like good. I feel like I'd fall asleep in meetings. Like that would be my whole my whole thing if I if I had one of those gigs. I'd just fall asleep in meetings all day. They'd be like the synergy of the activity of the journey of the accompaniment of the whatever, and I'd be gone. I'd be out. You'd be done. I'd be out. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd be, what is it? What is it? Pope, Pope St. John, the 23rd. How many people work at the Vatican? About half. half. Yeah. So I could be one of the half that worked maybe. I don't know. Or did do work. I would put in the work, (laughs) but I would need some siestas probably during like, well, in Rome, those are common, I think. So you might get away with that. Actually, that might explain a whole lot of stuff. I don't know. I know. We should include a siesta in the Sunrise Morning Show, just like you're after your uh, second hour news break. Oh, everybody that's a good like, idea. We just Everybody like, gets like five minutes. Hey, everyone. It's Sunrise Siesta time. Just catch back up. Not a bad idea. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip Michael Tangori. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Father, good morning. Good morning, everybody. All right, so... I wanted to talk to you about the Mass as dialogue, because uh, this is a a point where there can be a little bit of confusion. I've been to Masses where there was a quote-unquote dialogue homily, where it wasn't really like a homily. It was more like a book club. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not okay. Uh, But at the same time, the Mass is meant to be some form of communication between us and God. So how is the best way to understand that? Well, if I could back you up one step beforehand, uh, during the Second Vatican Council, uh, in their uh, dogmatic constitution on the nature and the purpose of the Church, Lumen Gentium, Articles 18 to 27 really kind of go through this notion of the role of uh, the Pope and the Bishop, and the collegiality that is meant to be expressed in the governance of the Church, 
This was even given further expression in the uh, doctrinal note addended to Lumen Gentium. Uh, and with this, we see that there is this notion within the Church between the College of Bishops, who has the Pope as its head, but is also a member of, and therefore he doesn't ever act separate from the College of Bishops, in the overall governing structure of the Church. And then we have the reality of uh, the laity following their shepherds, and it's in the Mass, in Article 28 of Lumen Gentium, that we see that this perfect synaxis, or synodality, actually is achieved where the shepherd with the flock are all coming together, one, centered on Jesus Christ, specifically in the Eucharist. And this is for those who are in the ministerial priesthood, the height of the expression of their uh, being the shepherds of the Church. So the Mass is the paradigmatic reality of synodality in this sense that there is this interplay between shepherd and flock and the true shepherd, the great, uh, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, all being led together as one. So now there is obviously this hearing, listening, participating uh, reality in the Mass. You know, I think about this a lot uh, because, you know, the whole world is insane, but in all the tabernacles of the world, Jesus Christ keeps vigilance, right? And some keep vigilance with him. And whenever Mass is about to begin, you know, as you are filtering in, you can see people coming from this side of town and that side of town and this neighborhood over here and that neighborhood over there. And this person walked from around the corner and all the people sort of converge walking from different places, but in a sense, always walking together right towards the same destination, which is the, the Eucharist, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. The, yeah. Which is the connection ultimately between heaven and earth, which is the final goal which Christ has come down here to bring us towards. So, I mean, I think about this all the time because this you see an image of what this should look like as you watch everybody from your neighborhood filtering into Mass. Exactly. And so, obviously, there, it, it, to say that it's dialogical, yes, there are components. Uh, even in the Eastern churches, uh, their rites of Mass, in the, in the extraordinary form of the Mass, you have the dialogue, so there's a call and responses and stuff like that. So there's, there's always been this notion of the fact that you have shepherd and flock, and we are all journeying together as a pilgrim church. So there has to be this understanding. Synodality is a constitutive reality to the nature of the church. I mean, that's always been, and it's actually beautifully expressed. If any of you ever really want to look into the uh, ecclesiology of the Church, I highly recommend that you get Herbert Vorgrimler's commentary on the documents of Vatican II, especially the first edition, which deals with Lumen Gentium, the dogmatic constitution of the Church. Because Vorgrimler and those who offer the commentary express beautifully this notion that, you know, the Church has to have it's not about like an autocrat who happens to be the Pope. 
It's not about the pastor of the parish being an autocrat. There has to be this listening. There has to be this exchange. And so even with Cardinal Schomburn's seeing uh, word salad that came out recently, we still understand that, yes, there is this reality where the Eucharist is the epitome of that synaxis, of that synodality. But we realize that there is also the proper role of the shepherd, those who are constituted priests by ordination, and those who are uh, the flock uh, being shepherded, the laity. And I think that that was very interesting that Schomburn chose to use the Eucharist as the paradigm, because that does make a very clear distinction on, in ontological ministry. It, it does, uh, and there are a number of things that I, you know, if we weren't out of time, that I'd love to get into with this. Part of this is also there's confusion, because when uh, in 2023 in common American parlance we say the word dialogue, uh, one might be led to the impression that, okay, Jesus, you've got some opinions, I've got some opinions, why don't we share them together and meet in the middle somewhere? <laughs> you know, it's not what we mean by dialogue. We mean much more like the Exodus no. and Reditus right, that you're talking about in your book. Thank um, you, Matt you know, so, You are my best friend. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, that's all I can think of is that's the real dialogue, right, is we bring our sacrifices to the altar, Christ transforms them, gives them back to us, and we go out. Like, that's the dialogue. But Father exactly. Philip Michael Tangora, have a wonderful day. Thank you for everything you do. We've got your link to sunrisemorningshow.com, and we will talk to you soon. God bless everybody. Have a wonderful week. All right, we're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN's Religious Catalog has terrific suggestions for Christmas gifts. His Angels at Our Side by Father John Horgan unveils the surprising role of the angels in our lives and what you must do to gain their help. His Angels at Our Side book and DVD set is one of many great Christmas gifts from EWTN Religious Catalog. For more, visit EWTNRC.com today. 17 past. Here's Anna with headlines. 
Catholic Relief Services is calling for Congress to quickly approve the funding request for humanitarian aid in Gaza. Pope Francis has made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land and around the world ahead of the release of a new book-length interview with the Holy Father. And Post Dobbs, a new project, shows the number of abortions in the U.S. is up but has dropped drastically in states with abortion bans. News at the top and bottom of each day. Uh, each day's Of each hour. day. Of each hour's. At the top of your day and the bottom. At the top, top of your of morning, morning and the bottom of your day. Top of the morning. These are the things that happen when it's been a week of, of travel, travel. Back-to-back weeks of travel and not it's much okay. sleep. But it is it is St. Crispin's Day. Also, St. Crispian's Yes. So if you don't know much about their story other than hearing Kenneth Branagh like or Billy Oh, it's Zane. so good. It's such a good way to celebrate St. Crispin's Day. It's a good go yeah, go go watch like the, you know, Billy Zane or Kenneth Branagh. Give the give the speech. Uh but these were um third century saints. Uh they were brothers. They evangelized uh by day, by night they made shoes and they were uh, martyred uh again for their faith. And the uh, couple other things I like to mention on their feast day is because of their associations with shoes and shoemaking and all that other stuff. A shoe shine kit is sometimes called a St. Crispin. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and all that you'd use to poke holes for shoelaces is sometimes called St. Crispin's Lance. Uh, probably not as much anymore. Now tell them your uh, and favorite. If, and then if your shoes are too tight, you are in St. Crispin's prison. So Neat. there you have it. For all you growing boys out there and oh girls my gosh. who are about to go a half size up, but it's not time yet. You, yeah, my poor kids are in St. Crispin's prison quite often, and then they just go up a full size so that I don't have to think about it oh. for a little while. That's actually fairly smart. And then it's like St. Crispin's, what would you say, free fall? I don't know. <laughs> start tripping, Saint- start tripping over there. Way too Saint, big Saint. shoes because their mom doesn't have a brain that can like keep up with their shoe size. St. Crispin's release on his own recognizance. <laughs> I don't know. Saint, My poor children. St. Crispin's reintroduction to society. You know what? St. Crispin, pray for me. Please pray for me. My poor I'll kids. You, we go through, we're, we're in that age. Agnes we're starting is, to go through shoes big time. Agnes is just wearing hand-me-downs that have gone through like I'm my about three, to start wearing hand-me-downs. My three kids and then their cousin as well, like have I'm all worn some, the shoes that she has on. They don't even velcro anymore. I'm about to get some some Catholic school uniform regulation shoes that are my size cuz nice. my son's about to pass me up on feet. Wow. St. Crispin and Crispian, pray, pray for us. For us. A lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit. 
on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. Pray with me now the praises of Mary by St. Anthony of Padua. The praises of Mary. Oh, how wondrous is the dignity of the glorious Virgin. She merited to become the mother of him who is the strength and beauty of the angels and the grandeur of all the saints. Mary was the seat of our sanctification, that is to say, the dwelling place of the Son who sacrificed himself for us. And I shall glorify the place where my feet have stood. The feet of the Savior signify his human nature. The place where the feet of the Savior stood was the Blessed Virgin Mary, who gave him his human nature. Today the Lord glorifies that place, since he has exalted Mary above the choirs of the angels. That is to say, the Blessed Virgin, who was the dwelling of the Savior, has been assumed bodily into heaven. Amen. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Carlo Broussard is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers. You can listen to his Sunday Word podcast at mrsundaypodcast.com. You can invite him to speak through catholicanswersspeakers.com. You still do want to speak at parishes, right, Carlo? Absolutely, Anna. I'm always willing, ready, and able to head out and meet with some folks and give some presentations. Always looking forward to it. This man loves to travel, so get him over at CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com. And Carla, we've been going through your book, The New Relativism, and lately we have been calling out the moral relativism in the societal commandment, Thou shalt not be intolerant. Um, I know you are not opposed to toleration per se, but it needs to be properly understood toleration, correct? That is correct, yes. So if we define tolerance in according to what I call the egalitarian tolerance definition, which is the tolerance viewed within our modern society, namely all lifestyle choices are equal and valid, then we reject it. But if we define tolerance in, uh, according to the version of what philosopher John Canassus calls fraternal tolerance, then we can promote it and accept it. And fraternal tolerance basically is your common sense, you know, man on the street understanding of tolerance, where we respect a person's freedom to hold his belief and even to make certain lifestyle choices that one might consider wrong without the threat of physical coercion. Right. So on this view of tolerance, you can't be labeled intolerant for disapproving, for example, of life choices celebrated with the LGBTQ plus movement, because disapproving of those lifestyle choices necessarily belongs to the essence of tolerance. (laughs) You know, and so you can see the stark contrast between this view of tolerance and modern society's view of tolerance, which does not allow you to disagree. But in order to have true tolerance, according to the common sense understanding of tolerance, it necessarily belongs to it to disagree with certain beliefs and or lifestyle choices. So uh, what so, does this look uh, like so from so a... Sorry, let me jump in here. Where, yeah. how, what does this look like 
from a from a practical standpoint? I mean, where is that line between true tolerance yeah. and like acceptance of something that we know to be objectively bad and harmful? Yeah, so the, you're, what you're drawing out here is the difference or the distinction to be made between social tolerance and social approval. And it's the latter approval. that our modern contemporary culture is going for, namely social approval. But fraternal tolerance can be consistent with social tolerance. So, for example, Anna, um, take sodomy, take same-sex sexual activity, right? So our modern culture wants all of us to approve that sort of human behavior, accept it, and celebrate it. Now, we disagree with that. That's the modern version of tolerance, right? Egalitarian tolerance, approve it. But we reject that. But what we can accept is a social tolerance, a fraternal tolerance of that human behavior in the sense that we are, it, would be, it would bring about more harm and a grave evil to try and be intolerant of that sort of activity in the sense of policing it because you would have, in order to police such human behavior, you would violate the great good of privacy and more evil would be brought about than the permission and the toleration, the true sense of that sort of behavior. But that social tolerance of permitting that sort of behavior without the threat of barging into people's homes and in their rooms to see what they're doing in the privacy of their bedroom. Uh, that tolerance does not equate with or entail approval, you see. Mm -hmm. So there are some human behaviors that society can tolerate, even though we think it is wrong and evil. Now contrast that, Anna, with other human behaviors that society cannot tolerate and must be policed, and that is behaviors that would undermine the common good and the social order of the society, namely people going around stealing people's cars, people going around killing innocent people, those sorts of behaviors that can be policed and can and liberty can be limited with regard to those behaviors. And so I think this provides a nice contrast, an example of what it might look like to have a fraternal tolerance, a true tolerance of an evil, a behavior we think is evil, and an intolerance and I might add a justified intolerance of some behaviors that we consider to be evil but have the effect of undermining the common good and the social order. Well, you use in the book the example of the church with heretics. Can you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, that would be another example where we, you, you could have a situation where heretics are present, right, and we— Heresy, without a doubt, is false, and it's harmful, yet yet it's reasonable to think that violent coercion to get someone to renounce heresy would only perpetrate further harm and falsehood, because faith by its nature is voluntary. We want people to understand that. So for someone to reject heresy involuntarily and embrace the truth wouldn't be faith. So you can, you can see the good in a social order where heresy is present and we disagree with it, but we would tolerate it without the threat of physical coercion. And that would be a good that we could pursue. And so that would be an example like sodomy of an evil that society permits but does not approve of. Right, right.
There's a lot of prudence that needs to be taken uh, in these situations. The book is called The New Relativism. You can find it at Catholic Answers Press and linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button while you're there. Carlo, thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. Have a great day. You do the same. Thank you. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The U.S. is warning Iran against escalating the war between Israel and Hamas. While addressing the U.N. Security Council yesterday, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the U.S. will respond decisively if Iran or its proxies carry out attacks on U.S. personnel in the Middle East. He called on leaders to tell Iran in public and private not to open another front in the Israel conflict. Blinken also updated the number of Americans killed when Hamas attacked Israel earlier this month to 33. The Cardinal Patriarch of Jerusalem is asking the faithful to remember to fast and pray on Friday for peace. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The observance comes 10 days after churches across the world united in prayer on October the 17th. In a letter addressed to the diocese, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem highlights the importance of prayer and penance at a time when everything seems to speak of death and endless hatred. The message once again condemns in unequivocal terms Hamas' attack on Israel. My conscience and moral duty require me to state clearly that what happened on October the 7th in southern Israel is in no way permissible and we cannot but condemn it, the Patriarch said. At the same time, with equal clarity, the head of the Latin Church in Jerusalem condemns the indiscriminate violence against civilians in the Gaza Strip. Cardinal Pizzaballa continues the letter by remarking that it is only by ending decades of occupation and its tragic consequences as well as giving a clear and secure national perspective to the Palestinian people that a serious peace process can begin. Unless this problem is solved at its roots, he stresses, there will never be the stability we all hope for. The Patriarch of Jerusalem therefore urges a more serious commitment in this regard from religious and political leaders, civil society and the international community. This, he says, is the only way to avoid other tragedies like the one we are experiencing now. I am Lisa Zingarini. The number of abortions in the U.S. is up in the year after the Dobbs ruling, but has dropped drastically in states with abortion bans. Brian Shook reports. A new report from the Society of Family Planning's We Count project shows that there were 2,200 more abortions in the 12 months from July 2022 to June 2023. But the state-by-state numbers are much different. In states with total abortion bans or six-week bans, abortions plummeted by nearly 115,000. In states where it stayed legal, there was a nearly 117,000 increase. I'm Brian Shook. The Georgia Supreme Court is upholding the state's heartbeat law. The court released the ruling yesterday morning, which sends challenges back to the lower courts. A Category 5 hurricane has slammed into the coast of Mexico. The center of Hurricane Otis made landfall near Acapulco shortly after midnight with sustained winds of 165 miles per hour. The National Hurricane Center says Otis is expected to weaken as it moves over the mountains, but warns it could cause devastating damage along the coast, including storm surge, flooding, and mudslides. 
In Washington, Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson is the new Republican nominee for Speaker of the House. He became the party's latest nominee last night after three rounds of voting behind closed doors. A vote to try to confirm him is expected at noon Eastern on the House floor. The United Auto Workers Union is widening its strike against Detroit's big three automakers. Mark Mayfield reports. The union announced on Tuesday that about 5,000 workers at GM's Arlington Assembly Plant in Texas will hit the picket lines. The walkout came just hours after the automaker released its third quarter earnings results that came in above expectations. The total number of workers around the country off the job is now above 40,000. UAW President Sean Fain said it's time that GM workers and the whole working class get their fair share. I'm Mark Mayfield. The World Series matchup is now set. The Arizona Diamondbacks are advancing to the World Series for the first time since 2001 after defeating the Philadelphia Phillies 4-2 in Game 7 of the National League Championship Series. Last night, Arizona will now take on the Texas Rangers. Game 1 is Friday in Arlington. That's the news. It's 35 past. The It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. The number one enemy of St. Paul is disunity. The separation of Christians from Paul and the separation of Christians from each other is a source of anguish for him. He knows that unity is a difficult thing, as he tells the church at Ephesus. He writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Paul knows that the most annoying thing that Christians have to deal with are the foibles and attitudes of other Christians. All of us are sinners. All of us are redeemed by the blood of Christ. But all of us have our own little annoying things and our own way of doing things that can drive people crazy. We get bounced around and we smooth each other out by learning to serve each other, by being patient with things about the other, and generally coming to love one another despite all of our weaknesses and all of our foibles. As we begin to do this, we begin to live a life worthy of our calling, which is to be Christ for one another, to learn to love one another, to learn to be understanding of one another. And in that, we can be united in Christ with one another. And this is what we learn from the heart of St. Paul. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and thank, we, thank you for being with us on this Wednesday, October the 25th. We're joined now by Father Augustin Weta, who is the author of Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. It's a collection of great wisdom uh, from the fathers on various uh, really practical things that a lot of us have to deal with on a daily basis. Father, how are you? 
I'm well, thanks. That's some pretty groovy theme music you got going there, I noticed. Yeah. That's pretty, uh, uh, get you get you going in the morning. Got to get into the groove of the conversation here. And this one is, uh, this was a huge <laughs> conversation and one that I need a ton of yeah. help with. So I'm looking forward to your monk story. Uh, so let's start <laughs> off with a multi-headed dragon uh, here to kick things off. Yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little violence the metaphor, but we'll it may be a little early in the morning for this, but we're gonna go for it anyway. Um, a brother asked an old monk, "What shall I do for the temptations that war against me are many, and I do not know how to fight against them?" And the old man said to him, "This is one demon with many heads." Do not try to fight them all at once. Attack one head, and the others will bleed out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I, for so I, many I, reasons, by the way, uh, and, and part of it is because I think that it can be very, uh, very frustrating for those of us who have a lot of irons in the fire, as it were, who have a lot of plates spinning and thinking that like mm -hmm. we've got to slay all the dragons simultaneously and often what that happens is it means that we don't ever ever actually give our attention to any of those heads or at least that's my issue right right and some of those dragons you're just never gonna slay anyway i mean i i, I have quit worrying about politics altogether. it's it's just i'm never gonna slay that dragon I'll let the Cardinals and the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops handle that. But as for me, I've I've got enough trouble just keeping my classroom under control. <laughs> so well, and yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, yeah. in, in regard to that, uh, I, I, what? And you probably have a lot better monastic wisdom on this than than I can muster <laughs> up. But it seems like. Uh, that a lot of times when it comes to these multi-headed dragons, a lot of the heads are things that are actually not something I have control of, not something that right. affects my day-to-day -day life in any meaningful way. They are things that I worry about, but the things that right. are actually the heads I can chop off are stuff like, I'm going to get this laundry done tonight, so we got something that's to wear right. to school tomorrow. Like that's a, that's a dragon I can slay. That's a head I can chop off. I can't figure out this other stuff that's remote, even though that's the thing that tends to occupy most of my brain space if I'm not careful. Yeah, that's right. well, and, and most of your internet time, I find I've got. I'm trying to talk my own students into giving up social media uh, because the more the more YouTube I watch, and I'm a monk. Uh, the more I, the more distressed I become about the state of the world. Um, but you know, the, the main thing is that you know we have a tendency, as you said, to to complicate questions and issues that could easily be reduced to something simple. Um, I, I know during my novitiate, I, I went to one of the older monks and I said, "Look, I'm leaving." And he said, okay, are you leaving today? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, no. He said, well, then be a good monk today and, and uh, leave tomorrow. Um, and then he pulled out uh, his, his Bible, as old monks are wont to do, and he found the passage about the man born blind, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure it must have been a teenager because he's so smart, Alec. Um and, uh, you know, Jesus cures him. He doesn't even bother to go back and thank Jesus afterwards, typically. Um, and then when the Sanhedrin questions him, his only answer is, 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, the guy healed me. I, I was born blind. Now I can see. He's saying, well, don't you know this guy's a heretic? Well, I don't know. I, I was born blind. Now I can see. And they keep questioning him. They finally beat him up. And he and 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 even then he doesn't even go looking for Jesus. Jesus has to find him, and uh, and he says uh, he says, uh, "Do you know who the Son of Man is?" And the kid, of course, says, oh, "I don't know." And uh, and Jesus says, "You're looking at him," and and then the scriptures tell us he fell down and worshipped him. And this old monk said to me, "Look, this little this kid." He's got very little going for him. <laughs> He's not very charismatic. He isn't very intelligent, apparently. But he does stick to the facts. He, may, he, he When he sees something true, he recognizes it. He says, I was born blind, now I can see. Okay, he's got that much. So when Jesus confronts him with that, that's the only issue in his mind. Maybe he just isn't very bright, but... He's really good at making decisions because he only has to focus on that one issue. I was born blind. Now I can see. The man who did it is standing in front of me. He's obviously good. All right, that's it. I'm in. (laughs) You know, what's interesting is that I'm so glad you brought up his case because I think that there is uh, some illusion among uh, the more pious among us who would say, you know, <laughs> the saints, uh, you know, the great figures in biblical history, they made these decisions that they knew were going to work out terribly for them because they just had faith in the Lord. And that's not exactly true. Like Abraham, you know, didn't know how it was going to work, but he was making a calculated decision. I could do what I'm doing right now, or I could be promised, uh, you know, generations of descendants and a land of promise, right? Noah's like, right. well, you know, I could die or I could follow God, <laughs> right? All these yeah. people in history, they're making a calculated decision that is going to be very practically beneficial for them in the eternally long run. I mean, these are all very practical and simple and straightforward things. They're like, all right. I mean, even Peter, when he says, well, everybody's wondering away, well, Lord, I don't know where, I'm also, where else I'm going to go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the smart play is with you. It's like the most half-hearted confession of faith ever. <laughs> like, well, I would go somewhere else, but, uh, you know, I just don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, it, it's it, we do have a tendency to just complicate things. In fact, the, the very next thing that the monk said, I, I told the monk who was reading this passage to me, I said, well, how do I know it's God's will for me to be here? And he said, well, you know, you're not somewhere else. <laughs> which again is just a, a very monastic way of weeding out all those extra well demon heads and getting to the one that's really bothering you I mean, yeah, the key like, is to reduce the question to its most basic elements right well uh i mean you know i think i've i've heard people say this uh you know to other married people before it's like i don't know what god will god's will is for for my life and you know the priest would say back well are you married do you have kids well at least part of god's will is be a decent husband and father so work on that <laughs> you know? yeah it's i mean even even as a yeah you would think that taking a vow of uh, obedience would simplify things but then immediately you know you you complicate 
you complicate it. Even, even the old monks, in fact, one of them said to me once, uh, you know, I gave up everything in my life to pray. So my life ought to be really simple, but I find any excuse I can now to skip prayers if I can. And yeah, it's true that, well, we're going to be plagued by demons no matter what we do, aren't we? But So we might as well fight them one at a time. That makes a lot of sense to me, Father Augustine. Why don't we get your book, Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It's a fantastic resource. It's a fun read and actually a very practical read as well. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. God bless. All right, we're back after this. It's 14 till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. Are you prepared to vote? Catholics must form their consciences by church teaching. It's not a matter of personal decision about good or evil, but upon the objective moral order willed by God, binding on human beings, and known through reason and divine revelation. Be prepared to vote your faith this November. Visit EWTN.com vote for everything Catholic voters need to know before picking up a ballot. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, who's got lots of experience in the classroom, but also in the private practice. Kevin, good morning. Thank you, Matt. Of course, we're talking um, through Mental Health Month, and, and you've got some thoughts on how to get a good helper in your mental health situation, but what are some good sort of foundational things to think about as part of this? Yeah, so even if we don't have a mental health disorder, a diagnosable mental health disorder, uh, life can just get too much for us sometimes, and it can be overwhelming, and we don't know what to do. And so just a couple of thoughts, but and there's a lot of research on this, too. I'll try to boil it down. I had three key things is we want, whether it's a friend, a spiritual director, confessor, a therapist, a physician, an accountability partner, a sponsor, 
uh, there's some things that are really in common with all those. So what makes a good helper? So there's three things that struck me, Matt. One is, is true empathy. The second one is the ability to challenge. And the third one is that helping should lead into action, right? So I got I to gotta do something. So what do I mean by that first one, by empathy? So first of all, whoever it is, if I talk to somebody and they just come out of the gate and hit me over the head with a, a bludgeon and tell me what I'm doing wrong or that I'm just feeling sorry for myself or get over it, quit crying over spit milk or try to give me all kinds of un- unrequested suggestions, right? Some, sometimes people, even counselors, will bombard a person with, you could do this, you could do that, you could do that. That's not a place to start. So first of all, I, I need to know just by the person's presence that they care about me, that they genuinely are here for me, they respect me, uh, even if I'm different from them, that they want to hear what's going on, and that they're a good listener. So one of the problems we have in counseling is people get taught not to be directive uh, in a lot of the graduate programs. But then sometimes that leads to another problem is they just sit there. (laughs) They don't say anything. So I need somebody who's going to engage in a dialogue with me, not just sit there in silence. And that they truly listen. They understand. I get the sense just from how they are, their look on their face, but also that they maybe maybe they reflect back and they put into their own words what they've heard me say. All of that builds a sense of connection and rapport, and I see that they're they're empathetic. They care about me. The second one, Matt, would be challenge. <clears throat> so a friend of mine, my actually my spiritual director, always tells me, you know, Kevin. Uh, Empathy and sympathy are two different things. So sometimes it's really good to have friends, like just complaint friends, buddies, you know, that we complain about the world about, and they just tell us how awful everybody else is and how great we are, and they got our back, okay? All of us need that at times. But that's sympathy, that somebody's just taking our position. It gets to be dangerous if I go and complain to a lot of other people about my spouse or about my boss, and they simply take my side, Right, so that's more sympathy. They're just aligning with me. So we start with the empathy. We have to feel this person hears me, they care about me, but they care about enough about me that they will challenge. So they say, well, have you thought about it this way? You know, maybe you're only looking at one part of the situation with your boss or your coworker or your, your uh, adult child, right? And they say, you know, maybe there's a wider perspective. That's uncomfortable. <clears throat> and some of us as friends or counselors or spiritual directors, we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. We want them to like us. But on the other hand, a good friend, a good uh, listener, a good helper is going to push us a little bit to see things from a different point of view and to build yeah. up our courage to chat, to, de- to deal with things, right? You know, it's interesting as you're, yeah. I was mm-hmm. to say, as you're talking about this, I can't help but think about our Lord, right? Uh, and Jesus as such an, you know, a perfect model of all this, because, you know, I hear some people who, you know, they're just confrontational all the time. And they're like, well, Jesus was confrontational. And then mm-hmm. I know some people who don't confront anybody about anything and just, you know, don't ask anybody to change anything about their lives because they're like, well, Jesus met people where they are. I'm like, well, he actually, he did all of those things, uh, but he mostly first and foremost saw the situation, <laughs> right. And yeah. saw what that person specifically that was in front of him needed in that situation. And, you know that that to me is is you know one of the one of the genius things about his earthly ministry. 
Yeah, and that's how we can cooperate with grace, so somebody helps us. The two examples from the scriptures that you bring it up, so Jesus with the Gerasene demoniac cast out the demons into the pigs, right? So it's a very dramatic story. But then he says, you know, the guy wants to go with Jesus, and he says, no, you go back to your community because he's alienated. He hasn't been connected with his family, his village, his community. Go back there and preach the good news. And then in John 8, uh, the wonderful story of the woman caught in adultery, he, he cares about her. He protects her from being stoned to death. I'm not going to condemn you, but go and sin no more. So think about it. You know, that's I always think as a counselor, like, well, okay, that's pretty hard, because she's got to go back to her village where everybody knows that she's cheated on her husband. She's got to go back to her husband. She's got to break off the relationship with her affair partner. She has to rebuild trust in the marriage. Uh, she has to put up with the scorn and the contempt of her neighbors and maybe her kids and relatives. So that's a tough task is, like, go and sin no more and try to put your life back together. So that's what a good helper should do is listen to me, be empathetic, challenge me to look at things from a different point of view, and then point out some action steps, help me to develop some next steps, some sane responses that, you know, maybe I need to make amends. And and sometimes the action is just to suffer uh, with grace and dignity, right? So that, you know, the cancer's not going to go away, and my loved one's in hospice, so there's really, like, what do I do? Well, we bear up with that and not get resentful, bitter, lose our faith and trust in the Lord. Well, those are, those are action steps. We have to take some, uh, some, some behavioral steps there. A friend of mine is fond of saying uh, there's a lot that's out of our control. Maybe most things are out of our control, the economy, the world situation, uh, other people in my life, but I'm never helpless. So if I bring that to God, like, God, I'm not helpless. I know that if you are with me and give me the grace and strength, you can help me to deal with the situation or to take some constructive action to make it better. And a good helper can point us that way. It's just not me and God or me all by myself. But if I've got people in my community, my parish, uh, people I trust, and it only takes one person. I've got, well, I've got one person that I can tell everything to, and they have those qualities. That can really help me along with God's grace to make, make things better and deal with things. Well, thanks so much, Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast. You can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, enter your email and subscribe to the show notes. You'll get them delivered to your inbox daily. You'll be able to see who's on the radio and when. Get links to all their things, and you can even watch the video live stream while you're there. Anna Mitchell, I'm just looking through the course of this morning, yeah. and... You know, first half of this hour, we we're talking all kinds of like philosophical and liturgical and theological stuff. The last yeah. half of the hour, it was all like super practical stuff with Father Augustine and mm-hmm. Kevin. We're a Catholic uh, variety show because is that what it is? Catholicism can touch all aspects of life, can and should. It can and does. It does. Indeed. We should recognize it. Yes. So, at any rate, hope you, uh, are able to blend the theoretical and the practical, the contemplative and the active well in your day as it moves forward. We'll be back again tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.